sometimes we just want to know where we're going, whether as a group of people or just individually. Um, Clint, you may have had this happen growing up, but when I was working for my dad, and we're doing construction, sometimes in the morning I just wanted to know where we were going that day. Mm-hmm. Say, we get in the truck, Dad, where are we going? Are we, you know, because sometimes we might be working five minutes from the house, sometimes we might be working an hour and five minutes from the house. I just wanted to get a plan going on in my head. Um, could I sit back and relax? Or did I have to finish my coffee right quick and um, get ready for work? We can't blame the Pharisees and the Sadducees for coming up to Jesus and wanting to know where they were going, when the kingdom of God was coming, when they were going to be free from the tyrannous yoke of the Romans. But Jesus did not give them straight answers like I could have got from my father. We're going to be there in five minutes. We're going to be there in an hour and five minutes. Jesus gave sort of these uh, either to me what don't even seem like answers to the questions where they're asked or very open-ended answers. So the Pharisees, they come to him, they want to know when they'll be free from the Romans, when the kingdom of God will be coming. And he just says, it's, uh, you, you've got it all wrong. You know, the kingdom's not going to come that way. And ultimately, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. And he kind of just, he, he leaves it at that. And the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they, they have to go um, off, probably unsatisfied with the answer they got from the God of the universe, and keep wondering. But uh, I don't think they wanted the answer that Jesus gave, and I don't think they believed that the kingdom of God really was in the midst of them. But uh, the apostles were a little different, and so Jesus took them aside and gathered them around and explained things a little bit more. Filled in some of the details, you know, that ultimately they just had to be ready. Jesus wasn't going to give them an exact date. Jesus never even said that the Romans would be overthrown. They just had to be ready for that day. Ready for Christ to suffer for him to be resurrected, for him to ascend into heaven, and for him to come back. That would be when the kingdom would fully be established. But until then, it would be in their midst. And you would see it breaking through in all these little things that Jesus would be doing, and the greater things that Jesus would do through his apostles. And the kingdom would truly be in their midst as it's been in the midst of the church throughout the ages. The kingdom has come because the church has done the work that Christ has entrusted to it. The kingdom has come because the church has allowed the Holy Spirit to do His work through it. And so countries have been saved, and hospitals have been built, and poor have been given food and shelter, Orphans have had homes, and justice has come here and there and there, even little by little, because the church has done her job, and the kingdom of God has been in her midst. 
some of those things the apostles obviously didn't know. They didn't know the work they were even going to do, let alone the work that the church would do. And they, like the Pharisees, um, wanted to know when they were going to be free from the oppression of the Romans. So they just kept asking questions. God, when are these things going to take place? Where are they going to take place? And Jesus, his answer to the where question is, is just totally bizarre, right? Where the vultures, where the body is, there the vultures will gather. The end. I would have to venture to guess that they were completely unsatisfied with that answer. And they probably didn't get it for years and years and years after that happened. That Jesus was talking about himself. When he said, where the body is, there the vultures will gather, he was talking about his body. He was talking about the church gathering around his body. It was St. Jerome, the great church father, who gave us that beautiful portrait. Um, his interpretation of this passage is that if you, you think of vultures and how they're just circling up in the heavens, ever aware of uh, when there's a dying body somewhere, and it doesn't matter if a dying body you know, is left in the desert miles and miles and miles away, the eagles or the vultures will find it and they will gather around it. So the church is like that that where the body of Christ is, the church will gather around the disciples. You and I will gather. Where the body is, we will gather. And that happens primarily at the altar, where the body of Christ is broken, where we're given bread and wine. And so the church gathers around to receive Christ. And the kingdom breaks in. But we also know Christ is in the poor. You know, we find him in those who need a drink of water, who need food, who need their wounds healed, who need clothing, who are imprisoned. When we serve the least of these, we serve Christ. So we know that when those bodies are gathered, it's Christ. And we, the vultures, the eagles, will all gather around too. So where will the kingdom of God be? It'll be among the poor. It'll be down in Pontiac. Where will the vultures be? Where will we be? We'll be downtown, um, amongst the apathetic Gen Xers and uh, the people who don't think they need God, but are hurting every bit as much as the poor man who's been beat up. Where will the kingdom be? Where will we gather? Where will the vultures be? The eagles, we're going to be at church. It's as simple as that. Gathering around the altar, attracted to the body which has been broken to us, or for us, rather. The body that we can offer to the world so that the kingdom might break in, that we will be able to see and offer to people little bits of that kingdom until the great day when it comes when he comes, all the churches gather together and all the yokes of tyranny and oppression are removed forever. 
Amen. Amen.